Hi, Dino Tripotis here, your host of Whiskey Business, and the podcast you're about to listen to, or maybe watch on YouTube, was recorded before what we call the day the drinking and the dining died, before they shut down all the bars and restaurants in Ohio due to the coronavirus. Since then, there has been a stay-at-home order put in place, but those restaurants that are still serving carry-out food are deemed essential, so we ask that you sincerely uh, support them as much as you possibly can during this crisis, including our guest, Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen, which is open Monday through Saturday, 5 to 9 p.m. for carryout and Sundays from 5 to 8 p.m. Support Tommy, enjoy the podcast, and since it is a stay-at-home order, we strongly suggest you take the time to listen to each and every installment of Whiskey Business. You'll be a better person for it. Eh, maybe. From tuxedos, tuxedos, yes, to table settings. What? It makes no sense, and yet it does. Tonight on Whiskey Business, Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen. In my opinion, if Columbus had an Anthony Bourdain, we're going to talk to him tonight. I can cook. I mean, I, th I think I can cook. No, that's not true. I know I can cook. What I haven't done is I haven't cooked for a long time. My father, who uh, I was never really super close to, but over the course of our lives together, he did say a couple of wise things that stuck with me. And he always said, you need to learn how to cook because someday there might not be anybody there to cook for you. And my father, he was one of those guys, he was an old Greek guy, he could take a, you know, a, a steak bone, some salt, and some radishes and make a meal out of it. I mean, he was just, he had that, that gift. Do I have that gift? No, not so much. But we are in a world right now where people love food and restaurants. The term foodies exploded uh, how many years ago? Those people who just purposely go and seek out the best places to eat the best meals from the best chefs. And we here in Columbus, Ohio, where we do whiskey business. Hi, welcome to Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey, are so fortunate that we have a multitude of fine, fine restaurants. But there's a bunch of them that go by the name of Gallows. There's Gallows Bar and there's Gallows Kitchen, which is run by our very special guest tonight, Tommy Gallo, is the chef and the owner of Gallows Kitchen. And each one of them, each one of the Gallows joints has something special, like the like Gallows Bar, for example, has some of the best bar food in the world. I, I mean, agree. As, as far as any menu goes, we set out with that, right? Very you know, yeah. I mean, there's the, the, the top to bottom. I, I I can't think of any place where you're gonna get. Oh my God! You know when you say let's go, let's go get a bite to eat at a bar. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a notch above. Thank you. Yeah. And then Gallo's Kitchen, Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen and Bar, which we're going to get into the history about that on just a second. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I saw you on uh, Mardi Gras night uh, when the joint was packed. When you have that very <laughs> special menu that it's is the, just all the the flagship event, brother. Oh man, that is just that is like anything you could you if if you close your eyes. 
as far as the food goes, you think you're in, you're in New Orleans. I say the same thing every year. Right? The fact that you say that means that we do it right. Thank yeah, you. yeah, you definitely do it right. We'll yeah. get into that and a whole cool. lot more. Uh, Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen is our special guest. And Greg Hansberry can't do the podcast without him on the audio side. Thanks, and sir. John Whitney on the video side with YouTube. Uh, it's been a while since we've been back in the in the casa. I miss it. Right? We're getting get the band back together. Yeah, you know, it's always a little, eh, 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 a little awkward, but uh, we got some things we need to talk about. Well, we people. got big breaking news here. We've uh, revamped the website. WhiskeyBusinessPod.com And uh, you'll probably have by now have seen some stuff on social media we've been promoting in a little bit. Subscribe, of course, to Whiskey Business, like always, on Whiskey, uh, your favorite podcasting app. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube. Um, and share, share, share. Yeah, is that all you got to say? That's all I got about Because that. we got something else that's coming up that by the time this podcast drops, they will already have started airing. Whiskey Wisdoms. The, the Whiskey Wisdoms. Yeah, Whiskey Wisdoms will have started to air. Uh yeah, so filmed the, and recorded meticulously by John Whitney and his brother Gil. Uh, Whiskey Wisdoms are going to be some fun things that you'll see uh, popping up online and all over social media where we take some of our favorite uh, quotes that I've come up with over the years and actually put them on film in a very entertaining fashion. Feel free to uh, not only enjoy them, but be the, the pithy, witty person in the bar and use them. By all means, uh, you know, have fun with them. You're not going to learn much from them. <laughs> share them. And, by and all means, share those. Share, share those, those. Share those. Share the hell out of those. All right. So we'll talk more about that later, and hopefully uh, those will take a life of their own at some point as we keep trying to bring more and more to you on whiskey business, including guests from A to Z. Would Tommy fall into uh, the R's as a restaurant tour? Like that? Or C? For a good, you know, or a, a C chef, as a chef? chef. What do you consider yourself? I to do be? not consider myself a chef, even though people get mad when I say that. Why? Because I believe that a chef, a true chef, and maybe that's uh, my opinion is it originates from when I see these shows, uh, you know, which the Food Network used to teach you to cook. Now it's all competition, and I think to myself on certain occasions in my theater, I'm as good as anybody. But when I go on to some of these shows and I see, I mean. They have some of the oddest combinations and the talent level, the term knowledge. I mean, if I went on Top Chef and it was all Creole and Italian, I got a shot. But outside that house, I don't think I could pull it off. You used a very interesting word that struck me right out of the gate. In my theater. Yeah. In my theater. You consider your kitchen, your restaurant to be a theater? Yes. My, my, my place, when I say the theater, my restaurant, my way of doing it, the Italian, the Creole, the Southern. So that theater... I can hold my own. Mm -hmm. But when I see the talent of a lot of these young kids coming up, the techniques they have, what they do, I, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I have trouble cla you know, clarifying myself as chef. It's just weird to me. Because I, I, I think that that's... You know, you could solve every medical every medical disease in the world, but if you can't solve them all, you're not a doctor. I, does that make any sense? No, that makes no sense at yeah, all well, because a doctor is a doctor and a doctor doesn't have all the answers. Well, and so, I don't, but the, I don't know. I've I guess I'm been, humble in that I've regard. never been to a doctor that's known known everything it's, and it's been of, able to solve everything. Almost like a, a band. You could be a, 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 a garage band and you'd be an amazing garage band, but you know three fucking chords, you know them really well. Or you could yeah. be like some virtuoso who's still a great fucking guitar player. But I mean, if, if a chef by definition is someone who creates and executes ex you know, excellent food, then I guess you could, I would refer to myself as such, but I just think does, that... Does anybody call you chef? They're not allowed. 
because of you, you that's your that's, yeah i don't like i room? don't like that in the kitchen i i think it's it's and it's no disrespect to the, the kitchens that do i don't mean it that way but i just don't like hierarchies i see the only reason i wear my name on my jacket is because i'm up front outside of that for the first three years of the restaurant i didn't even have my name on my coat and that's just because i develop a team atmosphere i don't want people to think i mean everybody knows who i am they know i'm in charge and if the bills need paid they come to me if it's good they compliment me and if they don't like it i'm the one that takes the complaint and the recipes are yours yes well yeah. a lot of it came from my training in akron uh, a lot from my dad some from my family um and then a lot of i'll be honest i <laughs> people laugh when i say this but i derive most of my curiosity and recipes through watching uh, bourdain um watching zimmerman when he would travel the world and eat not, not bugs and stuff but some of the cooler stuff and i love watching diners drive-ins and dives that's Americana at its best. Seeing how those people do things out of little spots or something that made them niche. And the one thing that seems very unique about when you watch diners, drivers, and dives is they're local spots driven by local people that other people come to. Right. That's what we are. We are driven by the neighbor. I mean, God, in my life, I never thought I'd own a restaurant where I could throw a baseball and hit a house. Right. It's so weird. And you, but and you, you still can. tell people I'm in a strip mall. Well, how are you by a house? It can't really explain it. Yeah. But so, you know, Arlington is what drove us. And then once Columbus figured out, because, you know, you hear Arlington. Well, that could be anywhere. You know, Dublin won't go into Tremont. But if once they heard we were on 33, Arlington became our drive and still is. They continue to push this restaurant. And there's, you know, I don't call them regulars. I call them family. We have people that are in there three, four, five times a week. And they're the ones that told their friends who told their friends. How important do you think it is in your business because not only are you behind the scenes you know cooking and and creating yeah but you're you come out you're up front yes you're 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 there you're meeting the people you know well when you opened you mentioned uh from tuxedos to to food or something that's that was my dad uh what you see out there is me spending countless hours in the tuxedo shop and when i wasn't running around watching my father work the front um and what it means to work the front and you know, as you alluded to earlier, man, look, this city is inundated with restaurants. It's almost at a kill point. I mean, it's like, where are we going to go from here? What else can be done? And I think what does set us apart is that they have an owner there that has pretty much worked every day since he's been open for 10 years, a few here and there that were off, but that goes out and touches each table. Because the reality is the beauty of your regulars isn't that, yay, good for you, you're the greatest. When I'm out there and I'm doing something, they might hear someone say, I didn't like this. I thought this was a little... And they'll tell me. And then you can engage that person and say, listen, I'm not offended to take a comment. You bring it. Because that's the only way I can get better. And, and I love that. And then you never know who you're going to meet. That's the interesting part. That's the part that makes your legs stop hurting. And that's the part that keeps your heart beating and, and makes you want to keep doing this. I know my food's good. I can cook for five or 50 or 500 and know that I'm going to kill it. But it's meeting people and having people come in, especially those from down south that are like, I came in for a business trip. What the hell am I doing in this strip mall restaurant? And I'm getting better food than I get back down home. south. Yeah, yeah and right, that's right. so that's part of that I do because it drives me. Um, and I just happen to excel at that. I mean, it's one of the things we're known for at my restaurant is when I have an issue or something, whether it's good or bad or praise or, 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 or to honor somebody, I have been known to shut my restaurant. Like, walk out, middle, full dining room. I need everybody's attention. And some people call it restaurant suicide to interrupt your dining room that way. But I have used my restaurant to spearhead my causes, to praise people, 
Uh, you mentioned Anthony Bourdain the night that he passed. I took it extremely hard. I don't think I've ever cried harder from losing somebody who I've never actually physically met. I sat at a table with a corona in the middle of the dining room, and then I gave a toast to him. And, of course, everybody prays, and everybody prays. And a regular came over, and he goes, come here. And he walked me over to the side door, and I kid you not, there is a double rainbow sitting directly outside the doorway. And I, all I could think to say was, well played, chef. But those interactions, man, when you're sitting there grinding at 8, like for Fat Tuesday, what it takes to pull that off. I can't imagine. It's, it's honestly one of the more physically exhausting days you could possibly imagine. But when you walk that floor, that's uh, the... I would get tired printing up the menu <laughs> because it's yeah, so, it's ex- it's so yeah. extensive yeah, it's, and, and well covered. But that's why I walk yeah. the floor. That's my, mm, that's my push, especially because now I've been open yeah. 10 years, man. There's kids that are going to get married that I, I met at you know, 10, 12 years old sure. or, or that I'm watching them graduate. Or, uh, you know, that's, my dad used to always comment about, I remember holding you and now I'm fitting you for your prom. Now I'm fitting you for your wedding. And I, I didn't understand... I mean, in my mind then, it was, oh, the years. That's not what he was talking about. I've watched these kids grow up, and it meant something to him. The little kid that came in with his dad when his dad bought the suit, and he would talk to and chat with, and then maybe had a concert once that dad fit him up with. Now he's putting on his graduation tux or his prom tux or his wedding tux. That's a connection. They're not customers at that point. They become family. When I first came to Columbus, Ohio, if... You needed a tuxedo. I mean, that was the prominent yeah. name. You know, you went to Gallows for a tux. Yeah, especially uh, yeah, if it was a rental. Yeah, yeah, definitely a rental. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, um, tell me about the, the the family business and and how much were you involved in that growing up as a kid and 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 the rest of your family and the short long is that Op, my dad's uh, father, uh, was in Cincinnati, was brought over and sponsored by a gentleman that wanted a custom tailor. Uh, he ended up in Cincinnati, uh, opened a small little formal wear shop, ultimately came to Columbus. Uh, and formal wear back then was, you know, it's time consuming because the Italians, we don't make, you know, like our food. It takes time, brother. And it's, you know, they, he was a, a true and, and an authentic tailor. Um, when at one point my dad and his four brothers were all in the war, when his youngest brother Bob came back, he joined uh, OP in the tailoring business. And then when dad got back, he came up for the idea of the rental side. Uh, and what made us unique when they moved the store to State and Fourth was there were other people renting, but Dad's shop was the only one that housed everything. So, if God forbid it's wedding day and you rip your coat on the inside of your car, you could probably call Dad. He would race to the store and he'd have a coat to you, which no one else could do that at that point. Correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm maybe I'm just making this up in my head. Was this the tail end of the jingo jingle? O.P. Gallo, oh. I don't remember, but I've had people say something about that. They didn't <laughs> do a lot of advertising. We'll probably hear it again, just to be sure. How far o. back are you Gallo, going? O.P. Gallo, 70s. That's very well could be. That might be. I don't know. It was just a real simple, you know. The, I'm going to look it up on YouTube. I would see an advertisement. I would doubt it, but. And the ending of it would be, O.P. Gallo, oh. I don't remember that. <laughs> I'd have a gypsy one. My mom would remember I don't know. Maybe it's coming from someplace else. I but so, yeah, so, you know, I'd go down there. You know, as a kid, State and Fourth was a children's paradise. There were more stairways, backways, alley. I mean, you would be amazed in this store how lost you could get. So we loved going down just in general. But then I always took note, and it's, you know, little things you don't learn, is how dad, when we would go to lunch, everybody. How dad, when we would go out on the street, everybody. He knew everybody. And he was always working. In fact, if you, I don't know if you remember, but 
I was probably in fifth grade, so I don't know how to date that. But do you remember the? It was the largest fire in Columbus, I think, to date. The four alarm fire on the corner of State and Fourth. What, what year would this have been? Because probably eighty five. Okay. Maybe a little earlier, and it was a very very large fire. I didn't exactly know what was going on because I was laying in bed, but I could hear the chaos. And my mom had six. You know, this is there was no internet. You just. You, you didn't know. And I remember peeking out because I knew something was wrong and seeing my dad get dressed. And I thought, how odd, if the business is on fire, why is he putting a suit on? Long story short, he picks up his brother. They could see the glow. You know, there's not any city lights at that point. You can see the glow. They thought they'd lost everything. After it was all over, I asked my dad that night after dinner, I said, why did you put a suit on? What I didn't understand till years later was he knew if they were still going to be open... He was going to get there and work every media person that he could. And he was always the front man. And that's what he did. So little piece by piece, I learned how to be a front man from my father. From your dad. Yeah. So The I art got, of what that I, means. And I got to say, I've been to countless restaurants. And I've never seen the front man work a crowd more than you, man. And, I mean, that's major props to you. Every time I'm there, I know I'm going to see you just a quick hey, handshake to every single person at the bar. Every single person at the table, and, it, and I commend you, man. I, I and to name that, another have you ever bar seen that someone that. do that? That no. asks, like, "Hey, how are you?" and then walks away. And you actually give a shit. My, yes, and so did he, and that's what I learned. Yeah. Don't ask if you don't care. Yeah, I could because they'll know, you, and that's even worse. I'd rather you tell me to go to hell than say, "Hey, how's everything?" Hey, I'm eating hey, buddy, here, Tom. Buddy, Tom. Buddy, <laughs> yeah. right? like, what, the, what do you mean? So, how am I yeah. doing? I'm trying to eat a meal. Yeah, what I learned. I learned me? the art of you know what that was and, and how to do that. You know, not realizing I was learning it, which is when I think when you learn the most. At least I do in my demented mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that uh, that was so what? So did nobody wanted to carry on the tuxedo business. Well, things changed, bro. Um, so I'm in partnership with my brother Nick and my cousin Larry, and Larry was very much involved. Um, but what's changed in the world is. You know, his dad came up, and even in the 70s when you got here, dude, there was black tie events every weekend. Mm -hmm. When do you see a black tie event anymore? Like, it's not it's true. outside of a wedding. It's true. Hell, kids don't hardly even wear them to prom anymore. They want it's something true. fancier. You're, and it's, you're right. You're it just right. became something that doesn't exist anymore. The, uh, the it, elegance it, left. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And it's uh, then you had a bunch of, like, men's warehouse, and those people came in, and, okay, now you can get a tux for 35 bucks. It's probably not going to look right, fit right. Uh, may not match the blacks may be two-tone but no one cared about that and once that started to take place it became obvious that you know if we took over where where do you develop that where do you go you, you can't develop something that you know you can't say we have the best there's nothing to develop you know if, if no one's throwing a black tie event but two or three times a year there's nothing i can do to counter that unless i started running suits or something and at that point was when i got the phone call as things started to fade out with opie gallo uh, my brother was on his honeymoon and got a phone call that he got uh, what was then the Halftime Tavern. So it just kind of became a moot point. Mm -hmm. It just kind of faded into... I think the last tuxedo I got, I actually... I did. I bought you, it. And do you still it. have it? Doesn't fit, but, I, you know, I still have it. It's upstairs. I'm not... Maybe I, maybe it'll fit me. I, it I've been known to wear my ruffled tuxedo only like when I go to Special the casino events. or uh, when your mom's in town or something. Because you're right. There's... Where else do you wear a tuxedo? Dude, there's no, well, and the cool part is what's really nice is sometimes at the restaurant, someone will flap their lapel out. And that's where the rooster that you see everywhere. Right. This is the exact rooster. So when they would do a, t a um, custom suit, Opie Gallo, former wear and tailoring, and it had this little rooster inside. So that was our homage to Opie Gallo. But there's many times when someone will flip that bad boy out, and there it is. And it's Do you know what the amazing thing is about a tuxedo? I don't want to wax on about it, but nobody, nobody looks bad in a tuxedo. Yeah. 
I mean, that can dress up anything in a good tuxedo. Or, in, in a good tuxedo, yeah. anything or yeah. anybody, and you and you feel yeah. good in a, in, a, in, a, in a tuxedo. You you it's uh, you're right. I wish there were more special things. That you know, when you say black tie events, and, and you share, is it really black tie or a little black tie or a suit? Yeah, you know, not you know, but there was a time. You're right when it was all tuxedos or nothing. And to that, I think that a lot of times when you put one on now, as good as you look, there's a nostalgia to it. I'm not yeah. looking back there. I was, I was just gonna say, I didn't even realize you had it hanging up. I put that tux on, and I think of Dean, I right. think of Sammy, I think of Peter, and I think of Frank. Right. Period. The end. Which poor Peter, he's never in the picture. <laughs> poor Peter. Poor Peter. Poor Peter Lawford. He's never in the picture. Poor Peter Lawford. Yeah. Yeah, well, either way. Him but yeah, Joe, it, him I think Joey now that it's a cool thing to have, and I don't I but I don't I don't see it coming back. This generation's too different. I don't think that they you know, they're they like to express a little more and they're I, I don't know that there's a lot of as the tuxedo rental area went out, what really started to pick up, which was odd, and I remember talking to my cousin. You've got to get them to buy the flashier because what what went out was the cummerbund, the vest came in, but then you started seeing like Mickey Mouse and fluorescence and all this stuff, and we were still kind of on the traditional side, and it was um, you could see where it was headed. It mm-hmm. just it's it's if I can't be flashy, I don't want it. Yeah. And so it's fading out. I neglected earlier to mention that our guest bottle that we're enjoying tonight. This is this podcast is about as close as we're going to get to uh, St. Patty's Day as far as timing goes. So we're trying the Jameson Cold Brew. Uh, new on the market. It's only, it's only, it's it's not, it's not one of those, I'm going to get a bottle of Irish whiskey and get drunk. No, this is like 60 proof. Yeah, yeah. You know, so this is, this is meant to be what it's supposed to be. It's infused with uh, coffee. It's, it's, it's damn and good. And it's pretty damn yeah, tasty over really ice, actually. man. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, There'd be some mornings I might go with this instead, instead of, of a, instead of coffee. It's like it's like spiking your co- your whiskey with coffee as opposed to spiking your coffee yeah. with yeah, whiskey. Yeah, no kidding. But it's really sweet. It's got a nice vanilla, creamy up front. It's I good. get nervous when I see these coffee infused drinks because they tend to be very viscous and they're syrupy. This yeah. is not. This no. drink's really really nice. Right? Tastes like bourbon. I don't know how those people drink that Patron coffee. If you spill it in your hand, touches the bar, you're gonna stuck there for like an hour. I mean, <laughs> right? it's like that. This is not. This is very very nice. What do you drink normally? Bourbon. Bourbon. You're yeah. a bourbon guy. What's your um, favorite? Do you have a favorite? Oh, man. If I had to pick a favorite, I'm very big on Jefferson Ocean just because I like the concept. and They, they slip around here and there. Obviously, Blanton's. Um, my guys over at uh, Joe Casey kind of helps, and my brother, they go through. They find things that, you know, I don't – if I had to have a go-to and I, and I had a wall of the normal stuff, Blanton's is always my, my first choice. You I just Blanton's up there. I just enjoy it. But the ocean is something that really always has intrigued me. Um, I've been fortunate to have a few Willets in uh, my life. I got of my some brother. Willet, I got some Willets here. I got some Willet Rise, and I got some Willet Pot still, and I got some Jefferson's Reserve. Uh, I'm out of Jefferson's Ocean. Um, there's, you mentioned it when you came in. They're like, "Holy shit!" There's a lot of whiskey mm-hmm. here. Yeah, there's a lot yeah, of whiskey. Yeah, I probably have. I probably have more good whiskeys than most of your uh, uh, well-established. Gus bars. told me about the whistle. The whistle pig. Yeah, he said yeah. he brought you a whistle. Yeah, there's three whistle pigs back yeah. there. Yeah, like I said, the cap on that whistle pig is worth is the pewter cap. Yeah, <laughs> more than the more than my cap. car. <laughs> you know, I know less probably about what it is. I know, I know. It's like when I order wine, I tell somebody this is the flavor profile I like. What I tend to not like in bourbon is the wet wallet. The wet leather wallet taste is what I call it. It's it's got that kind of leathery taste. I don't mm-hmm. enjoy that. I like the ones that are deeper, caramelier, and I like high proof. Anything high proof. I I, I mean, I, for me to go to 
Jefferson's is a big one. Little Book, I think, is one of the best they've ever had. I, I've enjoyed every every uh, edition of Little Book that he's ever had. Uh, anything from Russell's, Russell's Reserve. We got a lot of Russell's. Oh man, we got we got Russell's. we we had the pleasure of having. We hosted him for a dinner at the tap room. Who, Jimmy? Yeah, the big dog, the big guy, the big dog, and he was wicked cool. Yeah, he's uh, he's the real deal. He so he, when he was there, it was busy. And they told me that I have to, you know, a lot for certain people to have a certain amount of time. Well, afterwards, we went to local cantina in Grandview. And there's a lady that kind of is like his liaison. She controls who can sit, when and sit, you know. So all of a sudden, I look over and I said, listen, I know I'm supposed to have a limit. But for the past 10 minutes, he's sitting by himself. So I'm going to sit down until you tell me to get up or someone wants to get up. Well, no one came over. I got 30 minutes with that man. And I just sponged everything yeah. to hear his version of the trend, to hear why he thinks it blew up. To hear what he's done, what he thinks about the fact that Ohio only lets certain things in, and just amazing what he's seen in his time. It was really fascinating. How long ago was this? Three years ago? Yeah, because a lot's changed in those three yeah. years. It's oh. got, it, things have loosened up yeah, quite a finally. bit. Uh, we just had a podcast recently with uh, Jim Canepa, the superintendent of Ohio Liquor Control. That's the one I listened to, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, he's him and his group have, have done a lot to... You know, encourage people like Jimmy Russell to come bring in more of their stuff to Ohio. You know what I liked about that was when you mentioned the comment about his Twitter. Yeah. He's like, his heart. He said something like, "As harsh as it is, we're listening," and that's cool. The mean tweets. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, we're sitting here raving and talking about you know how wonderful Gallo's Kitchen is. What do you do though when you get somebody that doesn't like something, or what do you do when you get a do you, when dissect some, it, dissect it, yes, obsess it. Obsessively, oh, or yeah. oh boy, you don't even know. Yeah, I, I want to know. Yeah, uh, the first thing that would happen in a situation like that is decide: is it does it does it fuck you up? Is it with merit? I have to decide if it's with merit. Okay. Um, there are people that have come in that I can tell just off the. I've been doing this for thirty years, dude. So right. I can tell that you're coming in because somebody brought you in, but you like another restaurant more, and I have no shot of you. That's different. I don't. You, you try to kill them with kindness, and you move on if it doesn't work. But if it's something that we screwed up i start from the beginning day minute one what happened who took the order where did the order go did we not run it what did it go out did you you know and yes you just obsess you know the thing i have that uh, that kills me and, and it's probably what will drive me ultimately to my grave is that when you have a restaurant that ultimately seats roughly 120 people i believe at that level like if ocean club has a mistake what do they have like 300 seats it's gonna happen if I had a 300-seat restaurant, it's going to happen. At 120 seats with no stairs and windows to the world, I can see everything. I obsess that there should be no mistakes. There should be none. Even at the busiest, I don't believe there should be because communication can, can switch all that. So that's what I obsess about. And I, I try to figure it out. I try to make it right as best I can. But to make it right, I'm not going to sit here and just go, here, I'm going to comp this and give you gift cards. I need to make sure that it doesn't happen again. I need to dissect the mistake front to back, A to Z, know why it happened, and then sit with the staff and say, this is what went wrong, and hope that they learn from it. And my staff is very, very, very good about listening to that. Do you take it personally? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, I, if I say to you, and I don't know you, you know, I mean, if I, had, if I had an issue with something, I know you, and I would say, Tommy, there's something ain't right yeah. about this dish. And you would say, okay, what the hell? But I'm, I'm a complete stranger, and I come in, and let's just say for the sake of this scenario... I'm just an ass. I'm going, this tastes horrible. And you're looking at the dish, and you know it's something that you've concocted and you've created. What does that do to your, 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 your culinary soul? Well, the first rule in my kitchen, and this is going to be something that's going to get very interesting, as you joked in the onset about the 
coronavirus, but <laughs> every dish that comes back with a complaint, I will taste. I don't care if it's half gone. I don't care if it's three quarters gone. I don't care if it's machete. I'm going in face first. I want to know if I need to know if we screwed it up. If we did, I need to find out how it got out. And if we did, and we still make it right, and they're still cool, it will be the last thing I think about before I fall asleep yeah. at six in the morning. Yes. Don't you think that's uh, unhealthy? Yeah, unhealthy and yep. destructive mm-hmm. in some sort Have of way. Have you been in my restaurant? Huh? Yeah. You know why the food's as good as it is? Yeah. That's why. I obsess over it. I obsess over it. But that's that I'm talking one out of those 120, or let's say one out of the the 360 that have that have sat there over the course of a of a couple of days. One. That's just one. There is a much like you said with a doctor. A doctor doesn't have all yeah. the answers, and the doctor hasn't all the cures. If it happened in the heart of a like, if something happened, there was a couple mistakes. For for example, on Fat Tuesday, I don't take that home the same way. Those kids are getting throttled and if we missed a thing here or we missed something there i don't take that home the ones that i obsess over is when you're not busy on a night you thought you would be the beauty of my restaurant being so close to that neighborhood as i say it's the ultimate cure for complacency because this restaurant can go from four to 40 to 400 i mean it just boom and it blows up but i get upset when there's complacency in a slow time or something that we shouldn't have missed because i believe that to your point earlier when you said about the foodies the thing about the restaurant scene in Columbus is, in addition to becoming more knowledgeable of food, they're becoming more knowledgeable of the type of food and what should or... There are diners that say, how, how did this... I mean, I've had people look at me and say, you're only half full. How did this happen? Ugh, gut punch. And you're right. And I have no answer. I mean, I, I just say, you're dead right. We shouldn't have missed that. You know, and that's the one that... Did I take my eyes off it? Did they? Did someone not see something? But that's kind of the nature of the beast. I just mm-hmm. take it too hard. I always will, though. You do the same thing if you, you know, I think it's what you're passionate about. If you're on stage and you you land a joke one night and the next night you flip it up, yep. you know, you know, I you've know. told me about it. You know, you sit there and you dwell about well, it. Well, you you're, did it. You did it here on the podcast one time. You know, every time you uh, you recap reviews, you give us these five-star reviews and these four-star oh, reviews. Oh, the one time I give them one-star review. Just tell me the one-star review. Just as a kick to the nuts. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, okay, you're but entitled to your you're opinion. proud of and you work so hard on, of course, yeah, it's going to dwell it, with it, you. It kind of hit me a little bit, and I don't know if that person's ever been back, but the, what he was reviewing was, was what, something, yeah. uh, it was it was the premise, actually, I think, I that he was remember. reviewing. Some people should not have a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's what he said. Some people should not, that's what he said. Some people should not have a podcast. I mean, have you ever gotten a review like that? Some yes. people should not be in the restaurant <laughs> business. This guy has no idea what he's doing. Right? Yeah, and you just have to take that for what it is. Well, how did... I mean, all right, let's... let's, now, let's keep in mind, I come from... You talked about that. Now, yeah. the other side is Giantonio's Bakery in Clintonville. That's what I was going to get to. How did we get down... How did we... How did Tommy Gallo get into this oh, into this world? By mistakes. Is it by mistakes? Is it something... When you were growing up, is this something like... Did, no. That you said you wanted... What did you want to be? I was born, born and bred to be a police officer. Why, why you say born and bred? Why? It's just been in my head from the day I was born. Is it in your family? Other nope. other other lives. I just knew that's what I was supposed to do, and it just you're supposed to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Life took a different path, and um, I at the point when that fell out for reasons that need not be discussed. But I went home and I was in tears. I looked at my room and I said, "What the hell am I going to do now?" And he said, "Well, we have a friend that owns a restaurant. This is in Akron, Ohio, of all places, down in the valley. Who used to be Emeril Lagasse's sous chef. His name's David Russo." I said, "Well, it'll give me something to do until I figure out what the hell I'm doing." So I walked in this guy's restaurant. Are we allowed to curse on here? Yeah, you can just say anything you want. Oh, okay. And so I walked in and had food, and 
I'm looking around and he's trying to ask me a question, but he keeps stammering over himself. And he's like, <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, are you a pussy? <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, I'm just tired of hiring people that quit in two shifts. Like, can you work? And that's the one thing I knew I could do well. My yeah. father had me working at Marone's Pizza on Bethel Road at 13 years old. So you had the work ethic. The understanding of what a job was. You don't call off. You outwork everybody. You bust your ass. That type of thing. So I went to work for him. Started literally washing lettuce. Knew nothing about the... You know, I knew food, but I didn't know how to make it for this many people, so to speak. So, long story short, I ended up in this kitchen, and every time I tried to quit, he just kept promoting me and teaching me and letting why me would, learn. Why would you want to quit? Because I was in Akron and I was far away from my family at that point. Okay. I thought, well, Akron's outserved me, but uh, I wouldn't say quit, but it was just like, you know, do I really want to do this? But every time I got to another level, and then once he turned it over to me and really started teaching me, the relationship Dave and I developed was just symbiotic. I mean, it, we were putting out... Man, we were just killing it. And this, this is a guy that... You talk about a chef... If this guy were to want to go on tour, he could kill everyone in sight. I mean, he's just an amazing, limitless in knowledge. And his drive, it's probably where a lot of mine came from. Is, and what he pounded in my head and pounded in my head and pounded in my head was everybody focuses on the, that little thing in the center. But then you have bland potatoes and overcooked vegetables. Or you have a, uh, you know, a, a great salad, but the pears are old. Or, 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 or the, the toppings are like every element must be executed the same way. Uh, and going back to that drive is the Giantonio Baker thing. My uncle or my grandfather, Nick Giantonio, and his wife Frances, they were known for the single greatest cakes damn near in the state, if not further. Again, a perfectionist would deliver the cakes personally, flowers that you would swear to God could not be icing. So you, that you hear these stories over the course of your life, and man, it just gets to the point where my drive and that, that willingness to execute the way I do, and I think that's what Dave picked up on, is because he asked me one time, he's like, where does this come from? And then I started explaining Dad. And then I started explaining Giantonio's. And then we had to go down to a place called Brewworks in Kentucky. I said, tell you what, let me call Pops. We'll swing by my parents' house on the way down. We'll have an early dinner, and then we'll go down. We got in the car... We go to pull out of the neighborhood. Dave looks at the, his then sous chef, Anthony. He says, hang on a second. And he squinched down in his seat and he turned around and he looked at me and he goes, now I get it. And he saw how my dad's dinner was. The little <coughs> things that dad did. You know, just small little things. And dad couldn't believe how much Dave noticed. And it, it started to make sense today if I've got something here. I've got a kid that understands the little things. He grew up this way. Now I can start teaching them to him. And did it open... I mean, when you first started working down there, in the beginning, you probably thought it was just a job. Just a job, right? Until I figured... I had out. a fascination or, with it. Or, or was there something that did that, a light bulb go off and go, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be? Obviously, some... When was that moment where you said, this is it? This no, is, that's the funny part. This so. is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to be. This is where I want to go. So after about, I think it was six years, I finally said I want to go home. Excuse me. And I came back home, and I didn't know what the hell to do. So I took a couple of real estate courses, and I ended up... Real, real estate, estate courses? Industry. Yeah. And I managed the title company. I uh, worked for a gentleman by the name of Mike Farrell, and uh, really enjoyed my time with them, and, and, and seeing that side of the world... Um, 
I was a little concerned because I, you know, when you're in that industry, you could kind of see that bubble that was coming in 08 started in 04. And that's when Nick called and I said, well, I don't know where this thing's going. I'll tell you what. So I talked to Mike and said, I'm going to go do this thing with my brother and hopefully it works out. And, you know, Mike and I were so close. He said, if it doesn't work, call me, whatever. And so Nick said, I got the halftime. So I set up, I'm telling you, the kitchen that we have is actually smaller than this room. So we came up with a very small, tiny concept, but executing every element. I mean, you come into the kitchen, we don't buy anything. Anything. We buy ketchup, mustard, crystal hot sauce, salt and pepper. If it's on the menu, it's made in-house. So when we opened the, the tap room, thankfully, it was right where we grew up. So the, we had the, 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 uh, the, the good fortune of when you open a place, you're worried that it's busy. Well, hell, all our friends found out we opened a bar. Then it became nothing. Right. So for the first three months, we were honeymooning. I mean, it was just, it was easy, you know, almost easy money because you're nervous. But, but then the food started to click. And so then I approached the boys in year three that we were open and said, we used to do a thing at Liberty that was a Fat Tuesday. Would you mind if I tried to build this up? So I came up with this special menu and we called Schwabi. And we called New Basics that I met Rob McAbee by accident, just real happenstance by going to a restaurant he had then. So Rob McAbee and New Basics were second. John and Schwab was first. And you remember how big, I mean, you look in the tap room. You couldn't have dropped a drink if you tried. Right. It was insane. So once that started, we then decided, or I then decided, I want to do something else. We're going to go in the summer. We're going to do an Italian day for charity. And so I started pumping out the Italian food. That's when it really started to, that bug clicked with me that, the Italian day was big, but people lost their shit over the Creel day. And when Nick and Larry, Nick and Larry are always, I always say they're the visionaries. I never look forward. I, I'm so focused on what I'm doing, I never look out. And they found Chow in Arlington. And when we walked it, I said, God, guys, this is too small. It's, it's, the ceilings are too low. Now, if the tap room is now, or, or was then what it is now, Gallo's Kitchen would have never existed. But at the time we found Chow, we were still kind of a sports bar. They used to have all those kids come in at the 11 o'clock hour, all hopped up from downtown, acting a fool. Uh, it was still kind of messy. And I thought, we can't bring that level of energy to God. When I go outside, and if I drop a quarter, I can hear an echo. Mm -hmm. it, Arlington is so quiet. So I pitched the idea for the kitchen. And man, once it caught, it caught fire. But it took a while. It took about two years. And there were dark days. I mean, the boys bailed me out. There was a point when I didn't think it was going to work. And it just finally, finally caught fire. So I never really had that. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, because do when I think of uh, you know what they always say in the in the in the restaurant business and the bar business too, you always hear that cliche: location, location, location. It's not. It's 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 an odd bullshit. It's an odd location. I don't believe that at all. I know, but it's an odd location. But it works because it does work. I, I used to live within walking distance to it. And I have all these guys say to me, location. I say, you know what? I'll give you a four-letter word to tell you that location doesn't mean a goddamn thing. What is it? Bossy. <laughs> it's a house in the middle of an alleyway yeah. with zero parking and people flock. And you're sitting sometimes next to a person you don't even know this close. Location, seating, none of that matters. You cook them great food, they, they will come to you. The word will spread. And if that doesn't prove it, Rigsby's when he first opened, people don't remember this. The original entrance was on the other side because you didn't dare walk down High Street. When he opened that restaurant, people thought he was out of his mind. You're going to go where? The short north? Well, we'll put the entrance on the other side. 
Kent Rigsby, it's a shame he's not still there. Yeah. Because all these people, as a great all these strong. people owe him. He's the one that broke the short north open. And it was an amazing, amazing place. But I think location is, you know, go to La Playa's. Or Pascalones. I knew it as La Playa's growing up. Go to Pascalones at 161 Columbus Square. It's another one. It's in another strip mall. Come on, man. Next yeah. to a bowling alley in yeah. the middle of 161 and Cleveland Avenue. I think you died and went to heaven when you were in that place. Yeah. So I don't, I'm don't. i never yep. a fan of location. You you're, you're you do your food. A, now. A bar, oh yeah, dive bar fan. I mean, it's got... It, it, yeah. It's if uh, a classy restaurant was in a dive bar location. I, I, if you can understand that in a complimentary way, I will walk through a war zone if you tell me I'm going to get the best pasta I've right. ever had. I mean, literally, I, totally I, I do not care. That. I don't care how much it costs, and I don't care where I have to go to get it. Yeah, if it's going to be something that whew, I better eat this sitting down because my knees are going to buckle. I don't care. What was the turn? What was the turn? You said you know there were a couple there were a couple years there hard times. I had to bail you out, but what what turned it? What turned I don't it? really know. I think it just what finally happened? you had to feel something. You had to go. You had you had to. There's a, there's always a wave of some sort where you where as a as a creative person, and when I say and I'm accounting you in the and when I say the creativity as far as what you create, there's always a moment where you feel that surge and you go uh oh something is happening something turned something's a little different and we're going in an entirely different direction which is awesome we were up and down and up and down and up and down and i think we had, we had some staff changes here and there and then when we finally got the click that i wanted um my gm jamie hotter came in and realized he was dealing with a basket case um being you yeah uh why do you consider yourself a basket case oh god i'm a train wreck <laughs> no I'm, I'm a certified lunatic i mean literally when it comes to that place <laughs> <laughs> and what I wanted, and everyone's like, but they think if you tried this, and they think you, no, no, okay. And so he basically said, all right, I've got to work within this kid's parameters. And he had a very calming effect. The people he brought in had a calming effect. And my original staff, my opening staff, should they ever see this, you know, Matt Schindler was my original GM and built a wine program that, in my opinion, was second to none. But there's a difference in running a restaurant and running one that's struggling. Um, it, it's really tough when you're struggling, and it, you know, things weren't clicking, and it just, you know, I was, I started to think it wasn't going to work, and finally I just took an exhale and said, all right, this is the third reload of this, the third staff that's come in now. Shut your mouth, put your head down, make the food you know how to make, use these guys, because they had some reach, and some of the kids that he brought in had some reach in Dublin, and they started bringing different people in. And once it started happening, I just needed to see the light. Because once I saw the okay. little light, right. I started punching holes in the wall, and then it got bigger, and then it got bigger, and then I tore it down, and then things just broke loose. It broke, but you did see the light. You felt the wave. You felt, yeah. the, you felt the surge. You, you saw it. You felt something. I exhaled finally. Yeah. Because yeah. I realized at this point, this is it. Are you, do you consider yourself to be a control freak? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, that's, yep. That's, 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 there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with yes. admitting to that. Not as much now, but then, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it's not so much now? What what's what's changed? What's changed is that I've tried to at least do what my brother and you know pounded upon me and as did my mother and my father before he passed was to allow people to at least say something to them. Uh a big problem when you own a restaurant or I think any business is this isn't right. Did you tell anyone it wasn't right? Well no, they should notice. I am cursed with the fact that I can sit in a restaurant, low lit, in the corner. I can tell you everything that needs done within five minutes. And I, obsessively, the corner's dirty. Things aren't on the floor. There's a fork there. How are they supposed to? Our napkins are black. It's dark. Well, they didn't see it. I saw it from across the room. They're servers. They're not owners. 
It's not fair for me to look at them that way. They're doing their job. They're busting their ass. But I would take it personally. And then it became this. So I kind of, Jamie taught me to exhale. Go to him first. And he would start fixing things. So um, so you learned how to exhale. Yeah, ultimately. I guess. I mean, it's. I, I guess ultimately I learned that it wasn't about me. You know, I had to make the succeed. You know, listen, I'm single. I'm 45. I got a condo and a car payment. I mean, that's my life. My brother's got three kids. Uh, Larry has kids that are, you know, one's in the Army and one's in uh, in New York killing it, but he still has kids. And, you know, th there's responsibilities that I felt to that. Um, I learned not to obsess so f far or so much over what worried me about its success. And it's not going to work if you keep worrying about that. So I got refocused on the food. And the food became a re-obsession and I got reinvigorated and things started happening again and you know my team likes they like to learn and I got a couple guys now that love to take the reins and start throwing stuff at me and that's even more exciting when you say start start throwing things at you what is that ideas make concepts? something show me what do you want to do what do you yeah. think I should do here boom and the hardest part about this industry and this is why I'm so big on not having titles it's really hard sometimes in some of the kitchens I came up with taste this what do you think Need salt and something else. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> really? Because there's not a thing I don't make that I don't know that I don't go to my kids. I don't care. I mean, if you tell me it tastes like shit, then I'll, we'll work together and fix it. I don't, I don't take a criticism in the back of the house right. offensively at all. Okay, so, so uh, n nobody's... Are you telling me that no one's afraid to tell you it tastes like shit? That, that, I think uh, in the, the back people, of my house, uh, uh, the, people the ones that, that I lean you? on, no, they're not afraid. Okay. And the, lesson, thing, right? the greatest lesson I learned from that was my original GM, Matt, came in. And he saw me kind of going crazy. And he brought two wines back. And he said, this one and this one. What do you think? Da, 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 da. And he's raising out this one. And I taste the one. I taste the other one. I go, I don't know, man. I think you're crazy. But I like the other one better. And he's smiling as he winked as he walked outside the door. He goes, they're both the same glass. <laughs> and I was like, damn. You overthink. You overthink. Over, over, Slow over, down. Yeah. I probably knew it in the end. But I wanted to look cool, and yeah, yeah. well, learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah. It was we, the same bottle, just two different glasses, and I had worked myself into thinking. That first one was delicious. We pulled that that trick with some friends. You said you love Blanton's. Yeah. And I probably I won't do this to you now, now that I've heard that story. Uh, I won't do that to you, but there's a, uh, the same people that make Blanton's make a, another bottom shelf whiskey called Ancient Ancient Age, and it's the stuff that wasn't quite good enough I've to, heard of this. I've be, never tried to it. Be I have some right there. You can, have, you can try some. You can try some. The stuff that wasn't quite good enough to be Blanton's, but still good. And I've done, I've done that. I go, oh, I love Blanton's. Yeah. I go, okay. And I put, <laughs> I put a glass of Blanton's, and I put a glass of the Ancient Ancient Age in front of uh, uh, a diehard Blanton's fan. Yeah. And I go, which one do you like better? He goes, uh, and not telling that it was Blanton's. Yeah. And, and said, which one do you like better? He goes, I, I, you know, this, this one is a... Uh, they both got a nice kick, but this one's like a little, just a tad sweeter. And I go, really? And I go, yeah, yeah. That one's uh, uh, twenty four ninety five for a liter. It's ancient, ancient age. And I'm like, what? In a plastic tub. Yeah, in, a, in, a, in a plastic, in a plastic <laughs> oh, container. No, that's right there. You'll have some before you leave. I'll, 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 in fact, we'll pour you some right now. That thing right there. Ancient, ancient age. Stand <laughs> you right over there. What? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Clean out that coffee. In the that's it. Of that. Get that. Get rid of that. <laughs> uh, get rid of that. And that's the house whiskey. Yeah, it's uh probably should have cleaned that glass out a little bit, yeah, but that's, that's okay. okay. That's all right. The it's 
it's it's a little coffee. It's no no coronavirus. It works for me. It works for you, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, it's a great every I, I well, everyday whiskey. You but know? don't they all do that? Like I had a friend that swears that uh, Old Crow is the not quite Jim Beam, right? But I. <laughs> So years ago, the very first time I ever realized my palate was different. And it's funny that you. This is going to lead to this story. My brother's going to laugh and he sees this. But so I said, I don't believe that you can. He said he didn't believe you can tell the difference. And he lined up about four different gins, and I did. And when I came up through Akron, the gentleman who is now at, uh, oh Jesus, Thir- uh, Thirsty Dog, Tim Rastetter was the original brewer of the restaurant I worked in. And Tim has gone on to countless medals at GABF. He's honestly one of the most brilliant, brilliant brewmasters. I've, I've had the pleasure of not just brewmasters, but gentlemen I've ever had to work with. And somehow it came up as to who do you think could go through all We always had six on draft at uh, Liberty. And three of which I don't. I don't drink IPAs to save my life. I, I don't understand it. It's just I, I'm, I'm uh, drinking you, a bag of weed. You and me and both. Yeah, I'm I can't not, do it, I'll, and it's not not I, a no I offense. Don't pro, I don't begrudge anybody that no, loves them and swears I. by them. Everybody's got a different taste, different palate. You like IPAs. Yeah, I'm an IPA guy. Yeah. I you know, it's it's almost like sometimes I feel I have a limited amount of drinking time. I'm going to yeah focus on my bourbons and my whiskeys and and leave, leave the IPAs to somebody else. The, the cute word the, the cute word in culinary description now is nutty and earthy. Well, the other one in beer is floral. If I hear floral one more time, I'm going to jump into a garden and eat flowers. So Tim says, "Well, let's line them all up and see who can do it." I was the only one in the company that nailed six for six. Wow. And I didn't think much of it. I was kind of chippy chippy. And, and Tim grabbed me and he goes, "Do you have any idea how impressive that is?" And I didn't understand it. And so when I went back in the kitchen. Dave gave me a talk about salt balance. And I didn't understand what salt balance means and what heat balance means. And what that indicates to, I think, a chef or to a cook or whatever, you have to know what your level is. So if I think this is right and someone says, you're always a little too salty, you have to learn to undersalt. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I think it's perfect heat and someone goes, holy shit, I can't eat this. You've got to learn, to, you've got to learn what your level is, your medium. I'm lucky enough, which is amazing considering... The amount of cigarettes I've smoked, alcohol I've drank, and other stuff. <laughs> that my my tongue sees things, my taste sees things, in all likelihood on the average level, which is very uh, advantageous for me because I can know that when I hit something, I'm probably right where everybody wants to be. Not too hot, not too salty, right. not too sweet, and and that's <laughs> by happenstance. It just worked out that way. But you know, it's that's one of those things when you start to realize, oh, maybe I'm a little different. Because my brother had me taste all these gins, and I nailed every one, and I've still been able to do it. Vodka, a little tougher. Yeah. But I can nail gins, I can nail whiskeys, and it's just because you have... I see... When I taste, I see in color. Right. So I can kind of cheat a little bit. If I can identify the pattern when I taste it, then I'm usually... Like, that was different. That didn't even make sense when I looked up. I was like, that's different. Now, that's (laughs) just something... That's just fun. I mean, that's, that's not... Uh, no, that's fat. at every tailgate. Assuming we're allowed to go to football games this year, yeah, that's, that's at sure. every tailgate this year. Yeah, no, no, no. Honestly, that that would be money for no, a warm no, tailgate. This is, like, this is ultimately a compliment to Jameson's, but this doesn't even feel like drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really doesn't. We're gonna really start doesn't. seeing it in little cans. Oh man, we do that. Hey, a, what are a lo- local restaurant tour? What's your thoughts on uh, the <laughs> local distillery game? I mean, we we've talked to Watershed, we've talked to uh, OIO, we've talked to High Bank. Uh, High Bank. What? 
what I find amazing about the local distillery game is I think in all likelihood uh, Chef Jack over at Watershed what he's doing in that kitchen um, they it, worked hard to get him oh man he is um, they, he's, on, he's on a level and uh, they he, busted they, they, they worked hard to bring him here uh, the, the menu concepts they have uh, I've been to High Bank I've been down to um, oh gosh the names there was one on Good Ale I went to that was exceptional they're matching what they're doing with food but what I like about what they're doing is the, the one problem I have with the, with the current situation as I see it in food is and I tell people this all the time look man I understand the local joint I get the motivation I understand why you want to support local and you know but if there's a product that's better somewhere else that increases the intensity and the the uh, uh, umami of the dish that I'm trying to make, I want to support you next door. But if there's something else, I am going to source it. Um, so what they're doing is, I, I think what happened initially is when the first couple came out, everybody was pushing them. And I won't name names because I don't want to hurt anybody, but there's some that are making vodkas and gins that... At least in my restaurant, dude, you're dealing with some hardcore straight vodka drinks. Some vodka snobs, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I don't know that those gins or vodkas, you know, match their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So they've started to give you ideas on how to use them in mixers or, or cocktails. Craft cocktails. Yeah, yeah, and that's how you get them out there. And, and it's, I love it because I think it's good for the scene. Um, but I think at some point we are approaching much like too many restaurants, if I really wanted to carry everything I'd carry, I would have to have a back bar three times its size. Right. Sure. I mean, we're running out of room. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've noticed they've started building accordingly, but I've been encouraged by it because I think the quality of some of the stuff people are putting out. Um, and I'm just not one of those people. I hear a lot of things sometimes, and I'm like, well, I hate that. That sucks. Well, you don't like it, so don't drink it. Right. But I would encourage you, if you don't like their whiskey, their gin, or their bourbon, or whatever... Go in and eat their food and try what they've done with their own cocktail to show you how to showcase it in a different light than you've seen it. It's Watershed great, does whatever. a tremendous job. And they do. So it's almost <laughs> they, the, they literally do the pairings. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're they right, show the, the right type of pairings. Do you get jealous of, of other foods, other meals, restaurants? Do you go someplace? Do you, I mean, when you go out and eat someplace, do you, do you, do you ever get envy when you eat? And say, God, eat envy. Yeah, God damn it. This is really good. Why didn't I make it? I get <laughs> jealous of coverage. This is going to sound really weird. No, I, I get mad when I hear a category and someone might win in a catalog, and I know that there's somebody else that deserves it, not meaning me. Right. If I know this restaurant in this category is the best and somebody else probably one because maybe are you talking a, about one of these these popular opinion polls that i guess that, i don't that know. run rampant over the course I mean, of, I, of any given year i know if i walk into veritas on a personal level i get jealous because i'm eating a meal and normally when i go in if i'm with a date or with a friend they're like what's this and i'm going <laughs> no fucking clue <laughs> those boys do things at veritas that when i taste and see everything's backwards at veritas for me is that the are, you, are you saying this in a good way wonderful way in a wonderful way yeah. and, and does that Oh man! Does that make, like, make you a little envious, a little jealous? Like, God damn it! Yeah, because good. I wish I wish I was thirty years younger, where I would tell this kid I'll work for you for free for three hours a day, or whatever, and just learn from him because he's he's such a genius. But don't you think it's cool right now? I mean, as 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 
as to where you're at that now you know the people that you've learned from now there's people learning from you yes don't you think that's kind of cool i mean but the other thing i'm teaching them is what to expect and why we do what we do look man there's guys you can go into restaurants in this city that are doing things that are so outlandish and so crazy and chaotic and it's cool and maybe they're good maybe i don't know what i try to teach them is you want to be around someone but in front of someone that understands you know, I, I, I did a thing with uh, Chris DeLavi, the bartender at M, that little charity dinner, and we, we paired things together. Yeah, Chris has been on the show. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where we paired this, and basically I handed her the menu, and she bounced one back. We made a few corrections. Everything's symbiotic in food and in drink to me. You, and if, if you're going to go into a place, and I've, I've been a few places. Look, when I get out of my shop, and this is a big thing for me, and now there'll probably people will watch this and now everyone's going to love me. But if I go into your restaurant in a chef coat, I'm not walking in because I want you to look out and go, hey, chef. It's because I have 10 minutes to leave. Right. I can't go home and change. I want to eat at the place that I've heard is the greatest thing in the world and I'm coming into you. You're either welcomed or you're shunned. I've noticed that everywhere I go. The ones I'm welcomed, there seems to be the same level of respect between food and person and people. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of I'm not going to drop names because it's going to sound cheesy, but enough people who I've considered to be titans in this industry come into my restaurant who just understand this food is different and you taste. When I learned to make collard greens, it was such an arduous process. I couldn't figure out. Um, yeah, you because, have yes, and, and collard greens. You can't fake love, dude. No, man. I can show the, you how to the, do the alphabet. There's, there's, if you don't sing that song with love, I'll notice the difference. There's, there's two two people that I know that make kick-ass collard greens in this city. You and uh, my good friend Anthony Susie from, oh, from, from Berwick yeah, Catering. Right. His collard greens. Yeah, I, I don't know where he learned how to make them, but yeah, you two, and I love, I love, I love collard greens, and, and the, I'm yeah. the same way. <laughs> you, you <didn't, laughs> I'm learning something new about you, Dino. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! You know, I got some. Say, go got to Ray Ray's huh? barbecue. Barbecue. You're smoking. Yeah, barbecue. right. Ray Ray. Why is Ray? Because Ray Ray. Oh, you know Ray Ray. No. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, so so everybody's got everybody's got their thing. There's you got secrets. You got you got you got culinary secrets. I don't have a ton to be honest. I mean, I, I most of the stuff I do I share with my kids. Uh, I had a kid one time ask me, "Are you know our Worcestershire sauce takes close to fifteen hours front to back?" And the recipe was sitting out, and he asked me, "He's like, why do you just leave that out?" I said, "Because no one's dumb enough to do it. And if they did, they'd take shortcuts. Mm -hmm. You can't. There are no shortcuts, man." There are no shortcuts. Do you measure? I mean, when you talk oh, about yeah. when you talk about Certain salt, ba salt balances dishes. and whatnot, yeah. because you know when I think when I think of you know uh, Italians and Greeks and so forth, you know, uh, you know, Grandma, how'd you make that? And you go, how yeah. much? How much? How much salt did you? How much? How much yeah, paprika? That I, much. Know, da, 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 da. That's that's the way we grew up. They didn't they didn't measure. Right, but they also weren't making five gallon buckets <laughs> of sauce. You know, like, I mean, so oh, sometimes do, they were. Well, yeah. <laughs> you learn to. What I always tell them is the measurement is the median but especially with like tomatoes and stuff you have to go back because maybe that harvest was a little more acidic right. maybe it was a little more sweet but you always have to go back nothing is guaranteed until you taste it um you mentioned that you got to sit with the with jimmy russell and that wasn't yes. at your place that was at some other place that was right? bethel that was that was at you your a dinner at bethel at, yeah. at, okay so who who give me some of the luminaries that might have uh, passed through your doors in recent years drop, drop some names 
Drop some names. Drop like some. Drop, drop some big shot names. Other than Dino Tripodis. <laughs> like, the tap room? The kitchen? What do you the mean? Ki- yeah, the kitchen, the tap room. Who's come in there and graced and graced your doors with their presence and, and, and fucking loved every minute they were there? Local? I yeah, mean, local. I, I will national. tell you that, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to develop a relationship with Cameron Mitchell because of my food and... Um, now, you mentioned Titans. Forever you said the general... I mean... And we, he, we're trying to get Cameron on the show. He is. I'm going to tell you a story about Cameron. You think Mitchell Cameron will come on the show? Will blow, I think he should. I think that he would, his insight, I think it would blow the, I think a lot of people, you know, it bothers me that he gets a rap. Oh, Cameron's taking over. The, Cameron's not taking over the short north. The landlords are taking over. And if his restaurant group could afford to take those spots, then that's not Cameron's fault. And Cameron has always been very kind to me. Uh, listened, talked. But my mom wrote him a letter one time because uh, she was in an affair where he had a catering event. And, uh, she wrote him a letter saying how great the food was. He hand wrote a letter back to her, thanking her for her compliment, and finished with, and it means a lot coming from Tommy Gallo's mom. That's framed it on my wall at home. That's pretty awesome. And that's diehard. I mean, that's because that's what I always do. I mean, the other one would be, but yeah, if, man, for, before I go to the other one, if you could get him, I think a lot of people would be glued because to hear what you would ask and his insight, that could be a two and a half, three hour show. I just I, I what he's done is amazing and it's just I don't know I, I just I, I see him and he's he's so humble and he's if so this nice podcast happens to come your way Cameron Mitchell oh you're next <laughs> we want we want you on whiskey business the other one was Sue duty that, that was a, a big deal for me that she ate in my restaurant yeah before she passed yeah that was uh she loved her oyster po boys and that was a a pretty pretty big deal for me like because I think that that restaurant to have gone on as long as it did and to continue to just do what it did and to see that limousine or the limousine to see the BMW up there every time you drive up she was always there she had her hand in everything she was a remarkable remarkable woman so those are probably the two that I I would put on my Rushmore of Columbus is the fact that they come in is it really and enjoy me. enjoy and I don't food. like to say that because people go ooh Cameron eats. that's not what I mean no, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm I, happier I would that, never he, take that, it that, that he listens and, and we can chat. Than I well, am, than I mean, uh, in my restaurant. the man. I, I consider him a friend. The man has to go eat someplace else every once in a while, and right. I mean, you know, if, if I had a restaurant, I wouldn't want to shake. If I had a restaurant, I wouldn't want to go to my restaurant uh, right. all the time. Yeah. I want to try something different. I think that's that's probably not only uh, uh, something that I want smart. To go to someplace else. What's just going and, on? You know, you know recently I, I, I had... Uh, you do it. You go to other places. Hell yes. Yeah. And I love it. And I, it, it's different for me because when he walks in, it's like the Pope walks in. I mean, that poor man can't have a meal without a receiving line. Mm-hmm. You know, my restaurant, unfortunately, does not... There's really no quaint area. Right. And, you know, but uh, I, I recently had... Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I had a girl that I adopted that was uh, dealing with cancer. And man, when you realize the impact that he and his wife have had if people knew what he did philanthropically i don't care if you love the man or you you hate the restaurant tour dude what that what that company and what that man has done for nationwide and and for mm-hmm. all over it's it, that's that's where i respect the man do you see yourself getting to that level i sure as hell hope so yeah is that's that, all is I that want. a goal i mean where that's do you the only goal where do you want to go with all this where, what what do you want to see happen God, that I can make that kind of impact somehow. Mm-hmm. I need to make that impact. When I lost my daughter, I didn't really understand a lot of it. And you just know that you see these names on this glass wall. When you lost what? 
I'd call her my daughter. Your she daughter. was a girl okay. that I had, had adopted. Okay. When you see that glass wall and you stand there and you see these names, boy, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm also so obsessed with the game that I'm a shitty family man, so I've kind of learned to balance all that. <laughs> well, uh, and, that's, it's, it's and, that's, a, and this a, is a personal a question. Uh, you know, uh, as we've been talking, you know, you mentioned your brothers and their families, and you say you're 45 years old and you got a condo and a car payment. You know, uh, let me ask you, I mean... Obviously, you're you're obsessed, in in a good way, with what you do. Yeah. And the restaurant. What's missing? What's missing out of your life? Oh, that's what? too long of a list. I no, just know that I, I live through the staff. My staff is to help them to to see to it that whatever they want to achieve. When I get the chance to write a letter of recommendation, when I get a chance to go on record or on a phone call, like that's what I live for. As far as what's missing in my life, I don't know. I've suffered from depression for so many years. I really don't. Have you? Oh boy, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a thing that uh, I've been very open alone. about at the restaurant. I know I, that I've been there, I've and been, I've been uh, very open at the restaurant. I've been very open with my kids, and it's something that you don't, uh, you know, when you wake up every day and say, "Okay, why am I not going to eat a bullet today?" I mean, that's the reality of depression. And then you one day, one day, one day, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, "Ooh!" And is that why? Is that why? Day today? Is that why? In a lot of other ways, aside from what he did, you know, as as a chef, is that why Bourdain spoke to you in a way? Because he also yeah, suffered from Yeah, I depression. read through it on his first book. I knew that's what he was... He was projecting out an idea and a situation. Um, when you read it the first time, if you go back and read it now that you know what happened, I guarantee you will Which read book it Which book are we talking about? The Kit- first one, Confidential. Kitchen, kitchen, well, kitchen Confidential? Yeah, that one in particular is the mm-hmm. one where I really went... Oh, and you can you know when you, the funny part about depressed people is it's if you're Greek and I'm Greek, if you're Italian and I'm Italian, you know you immediately connect with someone in a strange room of strange people. There is a connection between those people. I can always tell when there's somebody that's uncomfortable in a room, uh, and the kids that I've helped along the way, you hear what they go through. Uh, and my theory has always been, you're not going to get over it. So learn. It's like a broken leg. If it's never going to heal, you got to learn to walk with it. Walk with it. Because I don't think I'll ever get over it. It's never. It's never let go. But no. him, that floored me for only one reason. I didn't think. I thought it was very odd that it would be on a location, especially with repair there. That's what really confused me. Why would he do it with Eric so close and so in the middle of an episode? That that something had to have set him off. I don't know. I, I toil over it daily because that voice. I can't watch his show. I, it drives me nuts. I cannot watch his show anymore. Now I that can't he's hear gone. that voice. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. I tried to turn it on the other day and I can't do it. Because that's that that theology to me of all oh, this uh, just cook. Just fucking cook, man. Just cook. And that's what I try to teach my kids, man. Make good food and work with me and I'll work with you and we'll make some of the best shit in the world. And when it comes time, if you work hard for me, for some reason people think I'm a big deal. I don't know why. But I'm the one that gets to write the letter. I'll see to it. You get to go wherever the hell you want to go. If you've earned it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write it just because I'm going to write it. But I love being able to provide for those kids. Is that, that kitchen and cooking and creating and doing what you do, Do you is, is that kind of a, a an antidote to the depression? Do you dive, when, do you dive into that more when you're depressed? Or it's do you given pull, me an avenue. The only, the only antidote to depression I have is that that place and my openness – which, first of all, openness is huge. Admitting and talking oh, about yeah. it, 
and I'm straight half the, fire, man. Half the half the battle. I mean, I'm, I don't I don't mess around. I have made announcements in front of people, and, and that night, you know, I wet my eyes out talking to my people. But it's opened the avenue for. I've had parents bring me their, you know, drop off their kids and trust me with their kids and talk to them and give them my opinion. You know, I had a parent one time ask me. She goes, "I don't understand. My kid's been here twice. I don't know this kid. What did you do? We've been to this guy and this guy and we this guy and this." I said, "Honey." I shouldn't say this because if my mom watches this, she's going to kill me. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll be brief. I'll just say that uh, Harvard and Yale don't know what it is to actually be on the edge. And that's no offense to all the great, great psychotherapists and, and, and psychiatrists, psychologists of the world. I know you no, guys. No, I no. don't mean to insult you, but there are kids I don't that need to hear. I don't hear. think it's taken as an insult. They need to hear when you look. When they look in my eyes, brother, I ain't no doctor. I'm the real deal. I've been on that diving board. I've looked down at that water. I've smelled the salt come up. I've, you know, I know what's there, and they need to hear that sometimes. So I'm grateful that the restaurant has provided me that avenue to help some kids. And you know, I I learn as much from them as they learn from me. So you're still learning. I don't think if you are depressed as I am that you'll ever stop. Right. Every little piece. Next day. Next day. Next day. And you just keep applying it. And if I learn something today, maybe I can call one of those kids back and say, "Hey, I met a kid the other day." Can't give names, can't do that. But I'm going to tell you something. He brought up something that's interesting. I want to throw this at you. And that kid goes, oh, that's interesting. And if we, you know, you kind of develop this relationship. And it's kind of a network. We don't talk every day. We sometimes, you know, we're closed on Sundays. We talk on Sundays or whatever. But, uh, you know, when you can make that breakthrough and someone's like, it's great that you do that. And I used to think to myself, thanks, but whatever. But then I realized that started in 2004 because my brother said, hey, I've got the Halftime Tavern. And mm -hmm. from that, we built the bar. From the bar, we built the tap room. And then we went to Powell. Uh, and he and his, uh, my cousin have since ventured out. Sit Brewery is part of our brand, which is Nick and Larry and uh, the local cantina guys. As I, as I mentioned in the very beginning of the podcast, or maybe yeah. on Facebook Live, that Gallo name is now becoming synonymous yeah. with someplace really good to go to. Yes. Where, 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 you're, where you know, no matter what part of town it pops in, I was thrilled to death to find out yeah. I live here in Clintonville, and all I got to do is walk down the street here in a little bit, and I'm going to be in a gallows joint right across the street yeah, from me. Yeah, uh, Nick and Larry's partnership, they're dropping a place, and I can't remember the name of the old restaurant, but, yeah, they're giving it to our, uh, our chef Libby, who was at uh, Bethel, and they're pretty excited. It's called Gallows on High, and they're both involved in the uh, Sip Brewery, which has taken off. Uh, our brewer, Patrick, has just blown stuff up. And uh, I was like, what are you guys doing with this brewery thing? Said, what, uh, uh, let me try one of those beers. <laughs> the kid brews a proper dark beer. Yeah. I mean proper. And that's how you win my heart. You got to give me something dark, something dirty that can, I can sit next to my bourbon. Two bourbons it takes. Then I start drinking the dark beer. Let it room temp out. And two, that, two bourbons. You got to have two first. You got to let it just sit there. Just Two bourbons. Put it there. And let it sit. And then once that thing gets down about 20 degrees, bam, and you're Man, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And he, he brews a hell of a dark beer. So when you get down at the kitchen, you go home, you go home to your condo and your car that payment. Huh? That doesn't happen. <laughs> you don't go home? Not usually. <laughs> I go on a few places. but I, You know, I don't stay at home a lot. It's the thing about depression is you don't want to be alone. You surround yourself with you find, people. You really? Because there's something. Uh, I, I suffer from it as well. 
and there's times where that's all I want to be is alone. Not to do any harm to myself or damage to myself, but that's where I need to be. My ex used to laugh. I'm never without my iPhone with iHeartRadio. Something's on. I have to have noise. No, I need silence. Oh, it's so weird to me. God. I need, I, I need, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but it's, it's, it's. We're two different animals in respects, and to how we, how we slay that particular beast. Now, there are, there are some times where I think the best thing for me is to get up and be with people and be someplace and out. If I were alone with my thoughts, I'd be like a naked man in a convent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm toast, bro. Like, I'm toast. There's nothing I can do. It's just like, ah! It's just, I, I can't. I have to have noise. And that I can think through the noise, mm-hmm. but I have to have the noise. I've got to have something there. Like, even now, like, I go through... I have a very tough time listening and not thinking about... Overanalyzing. What did I say? What did I just say? What's he going to ask right. Nick? That's how my... And then it, that's when the weight hits. And it's it's tough. And I will say that you don't have to worry about anything you said tonight. And everything was great. I appreciate man. it. And I'm glad, an you, I'm glad you didn't overthink it. No, I, yeah. you just, you're easy to talk to, so it worked out well. Well, I appreciate it that. Out you well. know, I pre- and so in respects to where we're leaving off on this somewhat ambiguous note, I think that's a conversation that you and I will probably have over three or, four, three or four fingers of bourbon <laughs> yeah. by ourselves when the microphones aren't on. And a warm, dark beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right. And so forth and so on. <laughs> um, so we are going are, are gonna to wrap things up. Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen has been our guest, man. Very Thank you, interesting. Thank so uh, God bless, man. Continued success with everything. Thank you so much for finding the time to come here. I know that it takes a lot for you to leave the premises in order to come here and this just uh, and just to chill. I hope you had a good time as well. Oh, absolutely. As well. Uh, before we uh, lock things up, a uh, reminder from Hansberry. Yeah, well, and real quick, Tommy, uh, we have listeners all over the country, but for our folks Yeah, for those people Columbus, that come into Columbus and listen to this. Uh, you close on Sundays. What's, uh, the what, kitchen what is closed on Sundays. Tap rooms pretty much every day except Monday until 4. Uh, but if you get on gallowsfoodgroup.com, that's the easiest way to find out what we do, where we are, and who we are. There you go. Gallowsfoodgroup.com. We'll put a link on uh, if yeah. you subscribe. And listen, if anybody business. does come in and heard this, please make sure to say something and find me, and I will come to your table, and we'll do a little something for you. Well, and, and we've got a brand-new website, the facelift, uh, whiskeybusinesspod.com, yes. where uh, you can find us now. Whiskeybusinesspod.com, which is going to have, uh, which is going to have, it's going to be easier to access uh, old episodes. Uh, there'll be blogs that we're, that I'm going to start writing on a fairly regular basis. We've got the, the new whiskey wisdoms that'll be uh, that are out there by the time this thing's dropped. That we hope that you'll be enjoying. That were um, just wonderfully produced and filmed by John Whitney and his brother Gil. Uh, they, they, I had so much fun doing it's those. So much it's, fun doing those. We got like it's thir- like we're professionals or something. It's it's like yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Whitney you know? and I, Better Whitney see. and I team have teamed up over the years to make films, and that's I felt like I was on one of his film sets again. Books too high, books I got too low. At. I was books here for like, like, twenty do minutes. It again. Yeah, I got yelled at. Yeah, he's 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 a beast, man. He's a director in, in a good way. In a good uh, well, way. Check, uh, YouTube whiskey business with Dino Tripodis. All you'll see all those videos and stuff there but uh, uh instagram facebook subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and share the shit out of this yeah um our guest bottle uh drinking it didn't feel like drinking a little jameson cold brew this went uh, this this is 
this is just a gateway bottle. I'm jacked up, too, man. What's the caffeine? <laughs> we may have to crack open the other real bottle of Jameson's to now. bring us back That's down. It's just a pity right there. <laughs> it's it's just, you don't feel crazy, like man. This is wonderful. I don't know what devils are back at Jameson's that came up with this shit, but well done. Well done, indeed. Um, so... On behalf of myself, Dino Tripotis, Greg Hansberry, John Whitney, and our guest, Tommy Gallo from Gallo's Kitchen. Until the next bottle, my friends, see ya. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.